Hello, I'm Scott Sachs. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. <laughs> Where we He didn't do it again. Didn't do it again. He pumped his fist up. Yeah, I saw it. Explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Several topics to talk about. Let's start with Take Two and the NBA. Let's start with Take Two and the NBA. Re-up their deal. The key here, big money. I mean, it's the most popular video game out there. Big money. One no, point not most popular video game. Most popular sports Most video popular game. sports video game. Yeah. I, I thought difference. people would understand the genre <laughs> we're in. Yeah, Fortnite, yeah. I know. Uh, $1.2 billion to the NBA and the players. Uh, interesting part for me is that this is the biggest deal. Not the first deal, but it's the biggest deal done since the players took their licensing and marketing rights back. So part of that direct check goes to them, some to the NBA for the rights of the uniforms and the marks, and uh, the ever-popular video game will continue. Yeah, this is a, a franchise that's been around for 20 years. I was actually surprised. They sold 10 million copies last year, apparently, that, that outselling Madden. Outselling FIFA, uh, both of those things surprised me. Global game. This is yeah, this FIFA. is yeah. the most popular uh, sports video game out there, uh, which makes sense that, that they would also have the, the most expensive uh, licensing fee out there. And, and from what uh, the Wall Street Journal reported, that $1.1 billion uh, may swing up or down. It's tied to the sales of the game itself. Uh, however, the trajectory that the NBA is going, the trajectory that the game is going, a small portion of this, and yes, small, the, the eSports League that was launched around this game last year between Take-Two and the NBA, all those things I would think you know, portend uh, increases in sales moving forward. I'm surprised that it really is superseding the Madden franchise. That that's that really is doing something. Oh, you're a football guy. Yeah, I would think that's global true. has a big impact on that, right? I mean, the just the, the American football playing and watching, you know, audience is so concentrated in the US, whereas, you know, especially in 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 Asia, China, India, basketball is tremendously popular. Bart, any trepidation ever using the word portend? I always feel like I'm going to say pretend. I know what portend means, but I still feel like I'm going to get it wrong. So I stay away from portend at all costs. That's like that's like one of those words, man, like quash and squash. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Uh, this one. <laughs> now we got a reaction. There's Evan. There's the Evan we know and love. Evan's in the house now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This uh, does not portend well for the rest of the show, Evan. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what else are we talking about? Ex-ESPN skipper, John Skipper. and uh, Did you mean listen, to do that? I did. Oh, okay. That was really smooth. That, that was smooth. That was, until yeah. I interrupted. But yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, that's was, what I do. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be the Netflix of sports. Well, yeah, Ira Boudway, our colleague, wrote a big piece for Business Week on John Skipper and where he is and what he's doing, and the uh, Zone USA, it's a direct-to-consumer service. Uh, I had to ask her, I'm like, what, what is it again? How much? Ten bucks a month. I was Ten, ten dollars a month. Yeah, uh, competing again with ESPN Plus, which is less expensive, but the thinking right now, they're building it around fighting, you know, boxing, and the thinking is, oh, if you buy one pay-per-view fight, you're going to spend pretty much you know, almost what the $10 a month would cost throughout the year, so you're amortizing it, and you get other events as well. So... Uh, they're going to be bidders on big-time sports. That That's what they're telling you, that live sports is their bread and butter. Now it remains to be seen, what else are they going to have long-term? Can they can they pay up? 
And well, is that where people are going to go? He just paid up for Canelo Alvarez. He did. Yeah, they've certainly, backed by by Len Blavatnik, mm-hmm. the, the Ukrainian-born uh, media billionaire. We're saying they're also um, selling the Perform Group, the other half of the so, business. Yeah, it came it. out of Perform Group, which is now two parts, DAZN being one of them, the other part being you know this media and data service uh, that is you know contemplating uh, a sale right now. What do we say, about um, a billion, billion plus? More, we, probably. We would guess? Yeah, 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 a billion, one, one, yeah, five? Yeah, right around there. Yeah, yeah okay. But, you know, DAZN has proven in other markets to uh, be more than willing to open a checkbook to overpay just to kind of monopolize the rights. When they launched in 2016 in Japan, they spent $3 billion immediately on the Japanese Baseball League, the Japanese Soccer Leagues, MLB, NFL, Champions League, and the five biggest European soccer leagues. And, of course, that gets you a relationship with the big – not that John Skipper doesn't have a relationship (laughs) when he was running ESPN with all of these people, Mm -hmm. but it gets that – business relationship going chum the waters for when the u.s rights are available. sure and as skipper knows launching in japan where you could buy those things immediately with a lot of money uh is easy and launching in the u.s where none of those things are available regardless of how big your your paycheck is right now uh is a totally different thing so they're they're chipping around the edges you mentioned the canelo alvarez deal there was a, ma- a matchroom deal in there as well they're they're pretty entrenched in boxing they just announced recently that mlb deal where they're going to create that yep. red zone style the kind of skip around show uh, on weeknights for for Major League Baseball, uh, all of this, as you said, Scott, gearing up for uh, this time in the next three years or so, when almost all the major sports rights in the well, U.S. The are coming up. The advantage for DAZN, uh, as I would see it here, is is that it's not Disney, it's not this huge corporate conglomerate. That's the the ship, the the ocean liner that has to take forever to turn around. DAZN, I would think, is much more nimble. They want to do something, go do it. Boom. One person says yes. Two people say yes. We're going to go do it. Things don't work like that at Disney. And Skipper knows that. And he's probably going to try to use that to his advantage. I think it's a fair assumption to think that whenever the next next time Skipper sits across the table and is bidding for a, a big piece of rights, he's going to be delivering fewer subscribers or viewers mm-hmm. than a lot of the people around the table, which is a disadvantage, right? We heard Brian Rolap say on, on this podcast two weeks ago, the, the the guy behind the money at the NFL, that when the NFL's rights are up, you know, they're not interested in more money for a smaller audience pool, right? They, they care so much about having distribution, being able to reach the most amount of people. I imagine for a long time, that's a hurdle that John Skipper is going to have to overcome. God's favorite word on this podcast, scale. Reach, reach, <laughs> scale, whatever. You got to be able to scale. Two things. One, I should add that Skipper signed Alvarez to an 11 fight contract, $365 million for the next 11 fights for Alvarez. Bien hecho, Canelo. And he's in the running, apparently, for Triple G as well, right? So, I mean, between Alvarez and Triple G, those are two of, if not the two most exciting and boxers tri- right now. Triple G's claim to fame, his real claim to fame. Um, that his son plays against my son in hockey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Triple G How'd son plays that? for the Junior Kings, the Junior <laughs> LA Kings. I don't know if they're going to be uh, at the next tournament, but maybe we'll see. Triple G was there. You know, so He was mm. taking photos with some of the kids and some of the parents uh, in Toronto. Can you imagine so, a fight breaks out in the stands on the, ice the and dads you, got, and well, you, you square up against you don't want Triple G? Because yeah, Golovkin on the back, I'm like, stay away from that yeah, kid. That's that not guy. the one you Whatever want Whatever he says, uh, he's yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, real quick, can we retire the Netflix of moniker? Uh, I knew Evan was going to do It makes me this. so angry. The Netflix of esports, the Netflix of media, the Netflix of cars, the Netflix of... This is just a digital. Stri- this is what all TV is going to be in 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 twenty years, right? Yeah, this but is- that's but Netflix just raised its rates. Oh, well, you know, you know, we <laughs> Netflix to- is the YouTube of Netflix, right? Well, yeah. This is ridiculous. We've talked about that a lot, though. I mean, I have with, with our guests right. the price point and the psychology behind the price point. So they've got them hooked. 
Now you raise the price. Very eager to see the attrition. How many people say, you know what? 13 bucks too high. <laughs> I'm very, very interested. I'm very, I don't, just a little pet thing here. The psychology behind the price point of Netflix. And those folks are like, oh, I didn't use it this month, but it's 10 bucks. Okay, leave it. They see it every month. It's fine. But obviously they feel as if they can do this. Same as Starbucks. You got the people hooked on the coffee, so you raise a cup five cents. So what? The people are still coming in. By the way, I like it when Evan gets salty, man. I like that. That's mm. the nostrils flare. You should sit next to me during the day. It happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. It happens a lot. I, I'm very familiar with salty. <laughs> By the way, on a human interest note, and uh, to John Skipper, bless his heart because he has uh, picked it all up from the one of the reasons why he left ESPN because he admitted himself that he had uh, a substance uh, addiction, mm -hmm. and he has picked it up, uh, and he's moving on. And or, uh, yeah, he goes in in this in, in Ira's Business Week story. He goes in a little more in depth about the the, the circumstances of his leaving uh, and where he is right now. About a year later, so if you're curious about uh, the John Skipper's departure from ESPN, there is more in that story that that you should read. Let's talk about Nike shoes now. Now. <laughs> Let's start with this. What is this? A smart? What is this? Nike is building sneaker? the Netflix Evan of was, sneakers. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Evan was there, so Evan, why don't you tell me about these things you put on your feet? Yeah, Nike this week uh, at an event they build as the, the future of footwear unveiled. Uh, Not what, for me. <laughs> what they what they see as 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 the future of sneakers, and much like everything that Nike is doing, uh, it is digitally connected. It is centered on getting you to interact more with the company on their apps, on their membership program, et cetera. The, the shoe itself, $350 basketball shoe. Uh, it has no laces. It self tightens, uh, with a motor essentially built into the shoe. Wait, 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 wait. So, hold on. It's time for wait, old man wait, bar. Wait a minute. Chuck, Chuck Taylor rolling I, over in his grave. I, I'm just getting over that thing where we put the pump in a shoe, man. Yeah, we're, we're, we're way, way past, past the, the motor. Pump. The Reebok pump. We're way past the pump. Yeah, so the shoe self tightens. You can either do it with buttons on the side of the shoe or. That change color. I, ideally, the buttons do change color. <laughs> or ideally, uh, you open your app and you can tighten the shoe using your cell phone. Uh, obviously, since it's powered, it hold needs on, to be... Hold on, guys. Hold on. We have to stop the game for a second. Where's my phone? <laughs> hold on, guys. It, it needs to be charged. Um, so the shoes need to be charged on a, on a charging platform every two weeks uh, or so. <laughs> Judging by your reaction, Bar, it's not, it's not for you. Uh, I, I think they'll be popular among some circles. It's certainly cool, right? The, the cool factor is there, and that's a, that's a factor that Nike prides itself in and likes to uh likes to trade oh, in come on say what it's really about give me the word yeah to me the the, the data is there the big is, is the big is the big thing when there you buy these is. shoes there's you know there's sensors in them there's accelerometers there's gyrometers these things measure everything you do in the shoe right and if you're willing to share that data with nike nike can see every time you're walking every time you're running the extent to which you're cutting your change of speed they know if you're a serious athlete or just an amateur on the basketball court and that's important information for nike right they, they want to sell you on the highest end basketball stuff if they know that you're a serious player or if you're just walking around you might just want them for lifestyle and they want to sell you the the lifestyle just stuff. the fact that they'll have your name what you have purchased in the past your credit card that's it's on your shoe. This, this is what this is what Nike it wants. It can feed all that. It, it just contributes again to the datification of what companies want. We they talk, want to know who they are, what they're buying, when they're buying, 
how they're buying, etc. For folks who are curious, if you live in New York, Nike a couple months ago opened in their the store. flagship store in New York on Fifth Avenue. We talked about it on the podcast here. Yep. It's another, to my, I mean, in my opinion, a, a great example of, of of where Nike wants to be going as a company. You almost can't walk through the store if you don't have the app out simultaneously. There, there's so much about the experience in the store, and there are so many bells and whistles and perks and advantages that you get from shopping there if you are already uh, a, a Nike member with the app. And this shoe is no different. You can buy this shoe and you can never download the app and you can just charge it and use the buttons and, and that's your experience. But if you're paying $350 for a shoe that has all this capability, uh, obviously there's incentive in there to do more with it. And doing more with it involves interacting with Nike on a more granular level. And, and this is the big stat, right? Nike members spend three times more than non-members well, when, when they shop at Nike.com. So once if- they get you in the ecosystem... They're better at building loyalty and better at selling you product. Well, what if you step in a puddle? I, I think they're waterproof. <laughs> I, mean, I think they figured that one out. Eventually, it what? won't be. Good question. First question <laughs> I mean, at the press conference. What if you step in a puddle? What if you step in a puddle? It's, you know, it's, my, it's the Microsoft of sneakers. Okay, see, now that I... Put it that way, I get your Netflix thing. My man. big question was, is, can can the battery run out while you're wearing them yeah, and then make them, them difficult to get off? And that's not true. They, they will automatically save enough batteries so they will be able to lose. I'd like to see the data scientist take a peek at the accelerometer when Barr hits full speed. <laughs> that's all. He's like, is he running? Is he trotting? My what, battery's dying. Is died. he trying to catch the bus? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's, this guy, what's this guy doing? The truth is that, you know, this is probably, as much as maybe the, the three of us are not the target audience, this is probably the future of, of footwear in a lot of ways. Right? No, and really? In, and in 30 years, yeah, in 30 years, this might be the prevailing type of shoe, right? right? One that has no laces that you can tighten or loosen via your smartphone, which you're, is always in your hand. Bart, anyway. let's do the conversation that we're going to have in the Soshnik household when he finds out about it. Dad, can I? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's the conversation. Go, go back to Fortnite. Yeah, son. go play Fortnite. Get, exactly. Put the books away. Go wow. That okay. This this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Mike Labar along with Scott Sosnick and Evan Novi Williams. And that did, by the way, that that was a nice segue into what we're going to talk about this week with Sean Bryan of Intel. So we're like tech and sports. Just little tease as to what we're going to have later on in the week because we are here each and every monday wednesday and thursday exploring the world of money and sports join us again at the end of the week uh, as scott just said we're talking with sean bryan who runs intel sports their 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 endeavors knew, right? in data technology around the sports world i can't wait to ask him about this you're listening to bloomberg business of sports on bloomberg radio around the world and online with sneakers and shoelaces Wherever no laces, you get your... no laces, no laces. <laughs> and my shoes are. We you get your podcast. Slippers, we're available. Slippers. <laughs>